On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, you will hear from Lisa Mostafafifar as we discuss how leaders understand and manage a multi-generational workplace. Hi everyone and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by the Ohio State University Lachalet Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and the Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Dr. Mostafafifar is currently a specialty practice pharmacist at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, providing services to the acute care surgery and trauma patient population since 2011. She has completed and published numerous research projects in areas such as nutrition support, surgery and trauma, and opioid stewardship. In 2016, she acquired an additional role as the PGY-1 Residency Program Director which has fueled her passion for leadership. She recently enrolled in Ohio State's Working Professionals Program in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership and her graduate seminar, Navigating the Multi-Generational Workplace, stemmed from her interest in this topic as she works with five generations of workers and is involved in recruiting and training the Gen Z generation of pharmacy graduates as their program director. Okay, let's jump into our interview with Dr. Lisa Mostafafifar. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Bob. Thank you for having me. Well, it's really great to have you. And you know, Lisa, when I uh, first heard about this topic, I thought it's fascinating because as leader and as you know, and as you, you know, research for, the, for your seminar, um, this is a really important topic uh, today because I did not realize that there were so many generations of folks within the workplace, and it really at some time poses a real management challenge. So I'm really looking forward uh, to this conversation. So we've heard a little bit about you in the intro, but is there anything else you'd like the audience to know about you? Sure, I am a 2008 proud Mountaineer graduate of West Virginia University School of Pharmacy. I actually stayed on and did my PGY-1 pharmacy practice residency at West Virginia University Hospitals following graduation, and then later moved to Miami, Florida, and completed a PGY-2 in critical care before actually my husband and I both came back to OSU for for jobs in 2011, and we have actually been here ever since. Um, Since then, we have uh, expanded our family a bit. We have three young children, um, ages five, four, and 18 months. So we are rather busy outside of work, but we, we wouldn't change anything about that. That does keep uh, keep you very busy indeed. And certainly we welcome both you and your husband to Ohio State. I, I do remember when we hired you and then uh, you've done a fantastic job here 
uh, at the medical center. So uh, why did you become interested in this topic? You know, it was kind of a two or three pronged approach, to be honest. Um, the first having to do with sharing an office space with a very multi-generational workforce. Um, so I'm very lucky to share space with um, a lot of different people. But one of the things that I love about Ohio State and that I that I remember when I interviewed and I still use to this day um, as part of my residency interviews is not only the vast number of preceptors, but, but those um, preceptors with a diverse experience um, in terms of the years that they have spent here. And I get to you know, see firsthand each and every day working in um, the, the workspace that I work in uh, with, with those individuals. Second, um, it's definitely the, the role that I play as the PGY1 RPD, where, you know, up to this point, I've primarily worked with the millennial generation. But as of next year, um, this, this is going to switch a bit into working with the Gen Z generation. Lastly, with being a non-traditional HSPA student, I've also had that opportunity to work primarily with um, millennials as I've taken some coursework through the College of Pharmacy so far. And so with that, you know, I haven't had a unique experience of being able to kind of listen in and oversee how people work, what they want out of work, what they don't want out of work, what kind of flexibility, you know, they want out of work. And I just have thought how interesting it is and, and what a challenge it will be as a future manager or administrator over personnel to, to balance that and how delicate that is because everybody is so very different. Yeah, and we all do have different ways of approaching our job. And it really depends on obviously our age, but how we were raised and how we were trained and who our mentors were. So, you know, combination of all those factors provides for a really challenging workplace at times. So, so you, you used a lot of terms there. You talked about millennial, you talked about Gen Zers, you talked about a variety of other types of folks in the workforce. Explain to us about the generations. Explain to us about what is generation X, Y, Z? What is a millennial? What is a Gen Zer? If you don't mind taking a few minutes and giving us some background so that we all have a context for our discussion. Yes, of course. Um, you know, one of the things that makes 2020 so special, and, and I say that um, rather jokingly because 2020 has been a challenging year for everyone, but 2020 is special in the sense that now five generations could be working side by side in the workplace. And, you know, you might say that, well, there's always been somewhat of a generational diversity. And that is very true. But what's different about 2020 is there's just so much diversity in terms of the generational differences. And so kind of just taking a step back and talking through what, what each of those generation, generations are and the differences that they bring, um, first of all, you still have the traditionalists um, being part of the workforce, and, and these are you know, your oldest generation in the workforce today. And the reason they're still here is because largely they are working well past retirement um, for, for many reasons we could get into. Second, we have the baby boomers that are nearing retirement or that they themselves are working a little past retirement as well followed by the Gen Xers, which by sheer number is the smallest generation of all, um, but they are still in the workforce today and, and not exactly near retirement as of yet. 
Then the millennials who have actually taken over the workforce as of 2016 um, by sheer number, they are now the majority of, of people that are working in the workforce. Followed by now are Gen Zers that are just entering the workforce. And as I mentioned, um, we will I have one Gen Zer in my residency class this year, but you know, as of the, the next recruiting cycle, I imagine I will have uh, have more. In terms of differences in generations, I will say. So, Lisa, can I just stop you right there? Uh, yep. Hope you don't mind. Uh, back in my day, we used to call it the Gen. Folks that were older than me called it the generation gap, which I thought was I just did. You know, obviously, just came to mind for me. Yeah. And so that's what people called it, but you're referring it to more diversity. So instead of people seeing it as a, I always saw it as a sort of a negative thing when people said generation gap. Uh -huh. Now what you said was generational diversity and generational differences. So really a much more positive uh, tone, but if I could just go back and if you could just repeat for the audience, just what the five, just, Briefly, what the five generations are. There's the traditionalists. Yes, yeah, there's the, the traditionalists, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, and the most recent is the Gen Zers, which there's okay. been a little bit of discussion whether or not there will be any more future uh, generations. And, and, and the reason being is that life is just moving faster and faster. And a lot of times that has to do with technology and innovation. And so um, so there, there has been talk that this may be the last generation because so much changes uh, now within, within a very small time period. Wow. So again, I'm sorry that I interrupted you, but uh, you were going to talk to us briefly about the differences in the various generations or some similarities or differences. Right. Yeah. So the generational differences, and I think, you know, this is definitely where we as managers or future managers really need to have a good understanding of um, and, and even do a little self-reflection with yourself. Um, you know, do you even fit into your own generation? Uh, you know, if yes or no, why and why not? Um, but looking back, um, there are four different areas in which you could potentially classify differences within generations. And the first is with communication and feedback um, styles. And I'm sure we've all had our experiences with this um, for a large part of us as preceptors. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the students that we, we have in precept and how, how different um, their experiences today than, um, than what we went through as pharmacy students. Second is working styles. So, you know, traditionalists and baby boomers um, and even, even Gen Xers, they are, you know, more of a grind it out, grind, grind your way to the top. Um, the harder you work, the more you're rewarded. Um, and although the millennials and Gen Zers are, are, are somewhat like that, you know, their working styles, they're looking for more flexibility in work and in life. Third is differences in motivation and priorities. Um, and traditionalists and baby boomers uh, really want to be, you know, treated fairly. They want to be recognized for the work that they put in. Um, and where you're seeing the differences today is in terms of motivation and priorities, millennials and Gen Zers really want to have that intimate connection with the companies that hire them. So they want to feel very much a part of the decision-making process. And lastly, 
um, there's work value and expectations. And so um, as traditionalists and baby boomers, you know, they are very usually very loyal um, to the companies that they serve or work for. Um, they tend to be very driven. Um, Gen Xers are very efficient. And then um, now we hear the work-life balance and work-life integration coming more so into the millennial and, and Gen Z generations. And, you know, if you kind of reflect back on that, like why is there such a great divide um, between millennials and Gen Zers and, you know, your traditionalist baby boomers and Gen Xers? And I've had to think a lot about that. And there's not really great research surrounding that. But I think about technology a lot of times. And yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And, you know, I even remember growing up, I did not grow up um, with a computer, you know, during elementary right. school. I, I remember the day my parents got their first computer. And right. I also remember right. having the Encyclopedia you know, Britannica in the, oh, yes. in the yes. hallway. <laughs> so, so I think a lot of um, newer generations, they are so used to having that immediate answer available to them. Mm-hmm. And sure. so the question surrounds, well, why do we have to give this generation so much feedback and, and, and meet with them in person and give them answers so quickly. And it really has to do with the way they were brought up um, with the oh, sure. And I think just, I think uh, it's interesting because I think about even my own kids and, and the way I was brought up, I was brought up by a World War II veteran and a nurse. And <clears throat> it was quite different than the way I brought my kids up primarily because there were certain things I really liked about what my parents did and certain things that I, didn't like, and I felt I wanted to change for my kids. And I think that is in many ways how the generations sort of form their own, whatever, you know, way or behaviors. Um, but it's really fascinating though, isn't it about how these various generations form and, and, and really, you know, what their expectations are in the workplace. And you're right. I do think a lot of it has to do uh, with how they were raised, but I wanted to go back to something. I just remembered it here, Lisa. You, you did this as a topic for seminar. Is, is the reason you did it was because you became so interested, you wanted to just get the word? Like, why did you do it as a seminar? You know, I, I was really reflecting on this topic. One, because it was um, a rather hot topic being 2020. Um, yes, so I, yes. wanted, I wanted something that was kind of new and fresh and maybe something that people haven't heard about. But the, the more I thought about it, and somebody who is very interested in personnel management, overseeing the residents, as well as becoming a, a future uh, manager, I think it is just so so challenging to be able to not not to essentially make everybody happy, but at the end of the day, I think as a manager you have two goals, and that is to retain your employees. Um, and retain your senior leaders, but also creating an environment that fosters um, like a workplace that that you're going to be able to attract the next generation. And yes. so you have to learn and understand people and what they want and the direction of the future, uh, which is, you know, like the newer generations in yeah. order to be um, a workplace that people want to come and work at. And that's strategic. You know, again, you know, you've just for the audience's perspective, uh, Lisa has around 10 years of experience. So given her experience in not only taking care of patients, but now her experience in our leadership 
program here at Ohio State has really uh, helped her to uh, really solidify her leadership philosophy. And you can hear it when she speaks about being strategic for the future. And, and I, I appreciate, Lisa, your thinking on that, because I, I do believe that us understanding future generations and current generations and how to manage and best meet their needs is only going to make us more strong in the future. Uh, which sort of brings me to my next question is, from your perspective, and you've probably already answered it, but maybe uh, just for the audience's sake, why is this topic so important in the workplace? You know, we are only moving forward. And so if you don't stop and embrace the differences in the employees that you have and recognize them for who they are, so for their individualism and recognize the strengths that they bring to your team, I feel as if you may lose creating some innovation within your team or your, your healthcare point. system. And so, you know, just again, taking that minute to pause and get to know people is just so extremely important. And most of the time you uncover by just taking a few extra minutes, um, things that you that either bridge, you know, you with that person, or you find things that you could really capitalize on to move your team or your health system forward. And that's a great, that's really a great comment. And I think it's, it's so incredibly true. And I think one of the areas too, that I've always tried to think about, and actually I haven't, I haven't thought directly about this topic when it comes to leading teams. I, I'm going to, based on this interview and what I saw in your seminar, uh, I, I'm going to start really thinking about this a lot more because I find myself sometimes in situations where I may not understand somebody's motivations. And so I think what I have to do is, is step back and say, how does the general, how do the generational differences feed into the, the differences in how that person views their job versus how I feel they should view it. Right. Right. And, um, so can, can you think of an example? And if, if it's uh, an example even a simple example where you've seen in the workplace possibly uh, there being some conflict in generational ideas, differences, and sort of how you've seen that kind of resolve or play out. If you could, if there's any, any very, even a very simple example would be uh, would be helpful. Yeah, I have a few simple examples, and sure. I think we try to create policies around these um, that maybe help with the the generations where common sense might not be so common, which is one of the, the rules that we'll talk about in, um, in the book later on. But, you know, things like the dress code policy, for example, sure. you know, I've certainly had students um, and even residents where I've had to, you know, have a quick chat about what's professional and what's not. But just having something like a dress code policy in place that is just a very simple and very direct communication that everybody can understand um, creates a lot of clarity within um, the department. Um, travel policy is also another one of those things that I've um, had to go over with our residents. You know, when you're traveling, what we expect of you, and um, you know how to make sure and ensure that you're getting the reimbursement um, that that you will need. Um, also, just email etiquette as well. I've had mm -hmm. to have a lot of talks with students and residents about that. And then lastly, you know, this is an example that came up just the other day with one of our preceptors, and it did have to do with feedback. 
And um, some of our residents just thought that we were being a little bit too critical of them and not giving them enough positive reinforcement or positive feedback. And I was having a discussion with this preceptor who uh, we share uh, generations. And so, you know, again, we kind of reminisced back in the day of, you know, our, our residency and how we always sought out feedback that was going to make us better. And although I'm not thinking that this current generation is not after that, I just think sometimes it needs softened um, a bit for this generation and there needs to be you know, uh, maybe something that we need to learn as preceptors um, to make sure that we're acknowledging the good um, also that, that these residents are doing. Yes, that's, that's, that's a great point too, because <clears throat> I think that there, there's just so much pressure on, well, first of all, when you think about it, the students graduating from pharmacy school, there's so much pressure to get a residency, right? Only about 60% of them get residencies. And once they get into a residency, there's so much pressure for them to be successful and do good in the residency. And, and then all of a sudden they, they start getting negative feedback. And, and then all of a sudden uh, some of the residents either they have an issue with it. They have some problems with it, like you said, but I think balancing that with some supportive language. And I think, I think the generation of residents coming out really needs to hear both, but I agree. I think that they're, really that they really want feedback i just think the way we deliver it just needs to be tailored for their generational preferences and uh and that's something i think we all we can all learn and and i i know that you, you again you do a great job with our residents you know you're obviously dealing with a lot of various issues with them around some generational differences i know that you've handled those uh you know very well um you know sometimes people and People have talked to me about differences in generations, you know, the younger person versus the older, you know, older employee person. And I, I sometimes feel like when people describe generations, it, it's like they're just, it's like they're putting people into buckets. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily prejudging them, but, oh, that person's a, you know, a baby boomer. So they're X or they're Y. What do you think about that kind of, that sort of thinking? Do you, do you, do you think that people should should be characterized that way? And, you know, how, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I, I certainly do hear um, the generational shaming. Um, and I, I absolutely okay. think that in order to, to move forward and to grow as a department, um, that absolutely does have to stop. Um, I'm yes. not saying that it will, but um, it's been going on for a really long time. And unfortunately, every single generation, uh, I guess, for lack of better terms, has had their time with generational yes. shaming. <laughs> about the other generation, absolutely. Those young kids, the those darn millennials, right? Yeah. And it's always the youngest generation that you know yes, has the shaming associated with them. Um, yeah. But but yes, you know, of all my you know kind of reading up on this topic you know, you kind of have to look at it in, in two views. So the view of, of the manager, um, I guess, you know, would be to obviously, you know, stop generational shaming if that's kind of, you know, how you're, how you're looking at a situation. But then also, you know, it's not all about the manager, you know, there's the team, you know, that has to work together on a day-to-day -day basis. And a lot of times when I see this happening, it's, it's usually, you know, within, 
within a team. Um, and so, right, right. so with that, I think, you know, stopping the stereotyping and trying to fight your unconscious bias of putting people in those buckets and figuring out what makes them them instead of, you know, what generation they came from. Yeah. And it really is interesting because there are very, very positive attributes to each generation, right? And so people have used this term remix in terms of kind of taking benefits from generations and kind of mixing them between generations. Is that what it is? Is that how it's defined? And how would you see remixing uh, as a positive benefit for uh, the workplace? Yeah, I absolutely think it's a positive benefit and it's a way to slowly progress. Um, So if you are a remixer um, for for the the sense of the word. So the remixer in in the book described by uh, Lindsay Pollock is by her definition, it's keeping the best kind of classic workplace practices of the past while simultaneously embracing um, more modern and innovative approaches to work. And essentially kind of, she she goes through the book and she has established some some rules for for remixers and and how to lead and develop a multi-generational team. And I think the way this works is because, you know, again, you're dealing with a wide variety of generations and I'm not trying to stereotype, but some of us sure, that certainly. have been here for a, for a while and even older than myself, you know, some people just don't like change and change right. is hard. And so what remixing does is kind of keeps those things that work and that are really effective um, still in place in the workforce, but yet taking new ideas and embracing them and infusing them into newer practices to move forward as an innovative department or institution. Wow. Yeah. And then what's interesting, uh, you did mention uh, Lindsay Polak and uh, uh, it is, she's excellent uh, leadership management author, P-O-L-L-A-K. And what was the name of the book that she wrote that you really, that got you very interested in this? Was it called Remix? Yeah, it's called The Remix, How to Lead and Succeed in the Multi-Generational Workplace. And the reason I chose this book, um, you know, the, the first place I went, and I guess this kind of tells my generation, is I went to look for a book when I was trying to put together a seminar topic. Um, but <laughs> but I went to, you know, um, I uh, went to uh, Amazon and I typed in, you know, multi-generational resources. And of course, a plethora of books came, um, came kind of pouring in related to how do I work with millennials? You know, how do you work with millennials? How, how, you know, but I wanted a book that really truly represented how you should work with everybody in the workplace. And so this is, this is why I, I kind of came upon her book and really embraced it and, and enjoy, enjoy some of the things that, that she, she mentions in the book. Yeah. She's got some great ideas. So I, I happened to pull an article titled uh, How to Lead Across Generations, Putting the Remix into Practice. And it was uh, published about two years ago online. It was, uh, I don't have the website here, but she talks about four or five things that people can do. And one of them is, remember that one size never fits all. She talks about labels, stereotypes, but an interesting one that I thought was really interesting, Lisa, is she says everyone, and I mean everyone, can use coaching. So, I mean, that's so true, right? That is so true. Uh, 
but as you said, you know, sometimes people, and I would, I would admit people my, who are my age, I'm in a, I'm a baby boomer. There are some people my age that don't want feedback. They don't want, they don't, or they don't think they need coaching. But, but what is your thought about sort of coaching various generations of the workforce? How do you do it? How have you done it? Why don't you talk us through that a little bit? You know, traditionally, I have always done it one way. And after reading this book, in addition to a lot of other resources, and I also looked into companies that, you know, do well with multi-generational balances. Um, and what they do is not only the traditional way that I know about with, with mentorship. So that is, you know, traditionally the, the older employee mentoring the younger employee, but how companies also thrive is something called reverse mentorship. And it's just exactly like it sounds. It's it's pairing a younger employee as the mentor with the older employee. And a lot of times these are, you know, more so in tech-based companies where the, the younger employee could potentially teach um, the older employees some things, whether it has to do with social media or, you know, setting up more, you know, tech savvy ways of, of, of doing things or pulling data, those sort of things. But I actually never gave a lot of thought to that until I, until I read about it for the seminar. Wow. And that, that's, that's really good advice. And, uh, you know, I think coaching for me is something that, uh, comes relatively naturally, but I do, sometimes find myself in situations where just depending on the person and the generation of that person, uh, I, I do coaching the same way as well. And, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes it can be a little awkward, but I think we just need to continue uh, to work through those situations, but understand openly within ourselves, you know what, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody who is of a different generation than I am. And I, I, I need to recognize what their motivations are and sort of what fuels them to be the best at their job. So it's been really great talking to you. So one of the things I always ask our guests is, you know, obviously you've got family, you've got lots going on, but you know, what have you found to be inspirational to you and what you've recently read or seen or heard about? Yeah. You know, I am, I really enjoy podcasts. I listen to a, a number of them. Um, one of the podcasts that I really enjoy is by Brene Brown, who is a social worker by training, um, but she really does a lot of inspirational talks for uh, women leaders. Mm. Um, and so she has written a number of different books that I've read. One is called Dare to Lead, um, but she also has a podcast called Unlocking Us. And um, she interviews different um, people, CEOs, um, just to kind of pick their brains about, um, you know, things that happen in, in the workforce. But one, um, I, I just think one podcast that really stands out was recently um, where she talks about the differences in leaders who work from a position of power over versus leaders who work from a position of power with or power to or power within. And um, it's, a very, it's two very different concepts. And I actually kind of put it, I, I, I thought about this in the concept of uh, my seminar, you know, with, um, with the different generations and how it's really shifted from a power over being that being right is more important than, you know, getting it right. Um, 
to a power with power to power within. And this is what employees want. They, they want to be part of, you know, that decision making process. And, you know, the, the transition comes with, um, you know, the, the managers now wanting to get it right more is more important than being right. Wow. So I wow. just, I really love um, the way she kind of breaks it down and she um, kind of pads it a little bit with her research that she has done through the University of um, Texas at Austin. Wow, that's great. So um, sounds like she's, in fact, Dare to Lead, I believe I have, I haven't read it, but I, I have seen some reviews of it and so on. And it, it's a book I'll have to, I'll have to pick up and read. Um, so obviously, you know, you and I both have had lots of experience with residents over the years, though the you know, listening audience, a lot of them are going to be residents listening to this podcast. What are a couple words of advice you have for our residents out there, Lisa? Yeah, it's a definitely a different playing field than it was when I um, applied to be a resident. So I give everybody just a lot of, of, of of props for going through, you know, the process and, and seeking out a, a residency. Um, and I know that it takes a lot of work as a student to make yourself the best candidate um, that you can um, in order to apply to the programs that are out there. Um, but also, I just want you all to have a lot of courage as you do this, um, because, you know, each one of us go goes through kind of, um, you know, times in our life where we're, where we're making decisions and, you know, we're looking towards our future. But I think if you're courageous in, in your um, thought process and your career um, moves, then I, I think that you can definitely conquer the world. So good luck with everything out there. And I know you've already invested a lot of time and work, um, but it will definitely pay off. Yes. And Anybody can achieve anything if they put their mind to it, use their resources, work hard. And uh, sometimes there's some luck, but obviously good, good, good mentoring from folks like you is, is really going to go a long way. Lisa, I can tell you that the department, the university, and myself personally are very proud of what you've done here at the university, how you've managed to become an expert in many areas. And but most importantly, how many patients you've helped. I mean, you've helped a lot of patients in your years as a clinical pharmacist, and you should be very, very proud of that. So uh, I thank you, and we all thank you for what you do, and have a great day and be safe out there. Thank you, Bob. It was a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor and share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts each and every week.